0: I'm going to do a song that we had, we're playing catch up, right? From being gone and coming back. And this is a song called I Will Wait for You. We'll have it on the screen. But I wanted to read to you. It's based on Psalms uh, chapter 130, verses 1 through 5. And I'll read that. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my plea for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness That you may be feared I wait for the Lord My soul waits And in his word I hope So Out of the depths I cry to you In darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to me anew And hear my cry for mercy Lord Were you to count my sinful ways How could I come before your throne Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze I stand redeemed by grace alone I will wait for you I will wait for you On your I will realize I will wait for you Surely wait for you Till my soul is satisfied Alone take courage in his power to save completely and forever won. by Christ emerging from the grave. Now he is come. And God himself has paid the price That all who trust in him today Find healing in His sacrifice I will wait for you I will wait for you on your way I will wait for you, wait for you. is
1: Well, it's been about two years ago now that uh, I believe it was the night before the Fourth of July, and maybe it was the Fourth of July, but. We did typical things that you do during July. You know, we were out sitting in the yard. I think some of the the grandkids uh, were home from Argentina and they were catching lightning bugs and stuff like that. So we went to bed and got up the next morning and I went out to my shed and opened the shed up. And it's just a 9 by 16 foot shed, so not real large. Opened it up. and. Looked and the first thing I saw I thought was weird I saw my fishing rods laid out on a on a table the only trouble is they didn't have any didn't have any reels on it I thought well that's weird so I looked up above where I had some stored up above they didn't have any reels on many in either the rods were there but the reels were not well, I got to looking around my leaf blower was gone my chainsaw was gone my weed trimmer was gone, my cordless drill was gone, some of my wiring was gone, and a thief had come in the middle of the night and taken stuff out of my garage. And I felt I felt a little bit embarrassed. First of all, I, I didn't really get mad. We had insurance, so most of it's gonna be replaced, but I was a little bit upset because I just bought the chainsaw. It was less than six months old, it had hardly been, Been used But I was a little bit embarrassed that I wasn't more prepared because I went to the insurance company and I said well Did you have your shed locked? Well, no? (laughs) Didn't have it locked. Did you have any kind of security lights? Well, no They have to ask these questions, you know, they're gonna pay it, but they have to ask these questions but we had lived there probably 40-some years and never had any trouble with anyone getting into our shed the the really big blow though, however, was outside of my shed I had stored my wheelbarrow. And apparently the thief had taken all this stuff, put into my own wheelbarrow, and trucked it off. That too. Yeah. So in other words, I should have just put out a sign, if you want to steal something, I'll make it easy for you, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, I learned a lesson from that. You know, you got to be a little bit prepared in this world today. Unfortunately, you've got to be a little bit prepared. And so we did put locks on the door, and we did put motion security lights on out there. And now, now they're going on constantly all the time. But the title of our sermon today, of course, you've probably already seen it from the handout you got, is "Like a Thief in the Night." This is how Jesus is going to come back. For his church like a thief in the night and so uh, We we are in prophetic times. I believe amen. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Uh, Jesus says I am coming back. He gives us uh, Indicators of what it's like when he's going to be coming back. He doesn't tell us in Detail exactly when that is going to be that's why it's like a thief in the night, right? So we talked a little bit about this earlier uh, before Brandon spoke last week, but we'll be continuing on in first or first Thessalonians chapter 5 Verses 1 through 11 and Jesus tells us very plainly. He says what be on the watch Look out be ready work and Be ready work in the kingdom of God and be ready for his His coming be ready for his rapture and be ready for his sec- second coming so, we're going to go ahead and read the scripture today. And why don't you just stay seated for today? We've got, I'm going to go back and read from last time and this time as well. So, it's going to be a longer reading, but pay real close attention. And then we're going to do things a little bit different this day. Uh, today, we're going to actually go through this verse by verse or a couple of verses at a time as we go down through this. So, let's go ahead and uh, we'll go all the way back to first. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and I'm going to read through all through uh, to verse 5, verse 11. So this is Paul, of course, writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, but we do not want you to be informed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Remember, the, the, those who are asleep were those who had died in the faith. They died as Christians. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air And so we will always be with the Lord Therefore encourage one another with these words now verse uh, chapter 5 Now concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture. It's it's full of hope for the second coming of Christ, for the rapture of Christ. And we are excited about reading these verses. We're excited about what's going to come when you come and you judge the earth and justice will finally, finally be upon the earth. We know that we will forever be with you. And we're looking so forward to that. But we pray that you would help us in our present situation, draw hope from this, hope that will allow us to continue to do the work that you have called us to do, to spread the message of Jesus Christ as Savior and his death on his cross and his resurrection and the new life that we can have in him. Help us us to understand this in a way that motivates us and continues uh, to To cause us to go out into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ Father we pray that you would open our eyes to the scripture help us to understand And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen Well we're going to find out that uh, context is really important in these sections of verses Context just means that we determine the meaning of verses within the context that is given so even individual words we talked about this in some of our Bible study classes that even in the Bible uh, One word can mean multiple different things and we see that in our scripture today. I'll, I'll point that out But for instance the word run what does the word run mean? well for some of you immediate, immediately you think about uh, running out through the yard if, if you're older like me you're probably not thinking about running as much but run could also be a tear in a, in a lady's garment, her hose. right? Could be a run. Uh, if you've ever had field mice in your yard, you ever had field mice in your yard, they make little runs through your grass. Uh, so run can mean a lot of different things. It could be to run the garden hose. Uh, but So context is important, and that's really what I want to focus upon today to understand this the way I think it should be understood because I believe that both of these scriptures that we've read go together. That we're talking about the rapture of the church and then the second coming of Christ. And so, to, to do this justice, let's go through our timeline that I went through last time. So, hopefully, it's up on the screen. Very good, Dave. And uh, we're using this as kind of a timeline of prophetic events that will have happened in the past and will take place in the future. So I want to make sure that we're all in the same place and all on the same uh, page, so to speak And so as we look at this illustration, we go all the way over to the left and we see the cross of Jesus Christ uh, This is a centerpiece of all history, right? It really is where Jesus came, died on the cross for the sins of people and those who believe in him place their faith and trust in him and his resurrection can have eternal life and have forgiveness. The time prior to that, if you were go could even go further to the left, was the Old Testament times. And God's focus mainly was on the nation of Israel, through whom the Messiah Jesus would be produced, right? And he gave certain promises to the Jews. Uh, and then Jesus came as the Messiah, whom God said he would be. He died for our sins. And then immediately to the right of that we see the church age or in sometimes the scripture it's called the time of the Gentiles. And that's where the focus has turned primarily away from the Jews to everyone else and all of the nations. And really this this is not something new. This goes all the way back to Abraham in the Old Testament when Abraham was told that he would be a blessing to all the nations. And so Jesus comes and he gives us this great gospel, this great news that we can have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And he says, Don't only take this to the Jews, but take it to everyone. We want you, I want you to take it to the uttermost parts of the world. I want you to take it to all nations. And so that's the age that we live in right now. And that's what motivates our church even today, right? Is to take the gospel to our Community to take the gospel to our state to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world And then if we travel just a little bit further on this timeline At some time there's going to be the rapture of the church For which there are no events that have to happen before that right Happen before that right? So what we mean by that is the rapture is imminent it could happen any time it could happen within the next 5 minutes it could be 5 years from now there's nothing that has to happen prophetically before it comes and so it come you know it, it it's kind of like a thief in the night <laughs> so after that rapture the rapture is where that first scripture that we read about where believers who have died will be raised from their graves along with those who are still alive and meet Christ in the air he doesn't actually come to earth but he meets us in the air and he takes us back up into heaven and after that moment we shall always be with the lord right so we are raptured up to heaven and that's that will happen to all of us right <laughs> one way or the other we'll either have died and gone to the grave or we'll be alive when he comes back A Rapture you see just means the catching up of believers But that will it that will usher in this seven years of tribulation that the Bible talks about And it is a time of tribulation amen If you have read very much of the book of Revelation The book of Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 18 is all about this Tribulation period It actually can be divided up into two parts two three and a half parts Scripture does this the first year is called the tribulation and the second year is called the great tribulation because these Difficulties that come upon the earth these judgments that come upon the earth have a tendency to get worse and worse and worse and worse And so on this earth there'll be there will be trouble and tribulate tribulation it's also called the time of Jacob's trouble because once again, God's focus will be back upon the Jewish people The difference this time is that the Jewish people will recognize that Jesus is a Messiah and they will begin To believe that he is a Messiah and many many of them will be saved Unfortunately to be saved during the tribulation period almost surely means that you will be martyred for your faith the persecution against Christian is so great that most who are going through the tribulation will die for their faith. Jeremiah 37 tells us a little bit about the tribulation. It says, "Alas for the day is great so that no one is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it." And then Revelation, as I said, Revelation 6:18 speaks about the different events that will happen. There are seven seals of judgment, there are seven trumpet judgments. There are seven plagues and seven bowls of judgment, and I made a long list, which I left at home, but you can probably name some of those as well. There will be meteors who hit the earth. There will be plagues come upon the earth. The water will be poisoned. Uh, The price of food will go up, so that it's extremely difficult to buy food. There will be a mark of the beast, which that if you take that, you will be able to buy stuff, but if you don't take the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. And so Christians will deny taking that. And so it will be very difficult for them to to actually eat during that time. And there will be earthquakes and much, much, much more. It is a time where it just accelerates. It starts out with tribulation and then greater, 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 greater amounts of tribulation. Until finally, all the people of the earth will come to a place called Armageddon just north of Israel. Revelation 16, 6 says, and they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. And at that time, all the nations of the army will be focused against the tiny nation of Israel. And just like the Calvary, (laughs) Jesus will return with his saints. That'll be us, folks. We'll be with him. He will return with his saints and put an end To all war listen to what it says in Zechariah 14 4 about the return of Christ It says on that day His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lie before Jerusalem on the east And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two From east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mountain shall move northward and the other half Southward this is no baby coming in a cradle This is the triumphant Jesus, the judge uh, of all people who will come. His feet touch the Mount of Olives. It will split like as though there were an earthquake. That is the power of our Lord Jesus. Revelations 19, this is a long section of scripture, but I'm going to read it all because it talks once again about the second coming of Christ. So you've noticed, I hope you've noticed by our outline, rapture of the church seven years of tribulation second coming of Christ so rapture second coming of Christ separated by at least seven years but this listen to this language from about the second coming of Christ and this is John writing John the Apostle he says then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse the one sitting faithful on full and true that's our Lord Jesus amen the one who's faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come gather for the great supper of God. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, And the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulphur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse and the all the birds were gorged with their flesh pretty graphic Language isn't it? I mean Jesus Christ will come back in power and he will put an end to all sin And he will usher in a thousand-year reign of Christ is the next thing that we see and That's what the millennium is it is a thousand-year reign of Christ by which Christ himself will come to this earth and reign over this earth and we will be with him, right? (laughs) We will be with him. We we are the Saints who are on the other white horses coming back with him And he is preparing us now if we let him He is preparing us for our duties during the thousand-year reign of Christ Because we will have real purposeful work to do you remember? I think it was John and James who asked Jesus, you know, will you allow me to sit on your right hand At Your coming and jesus said that's not for me to decide that's for someone else to decide But it does give us an idea that in the millennium in the reign of Christ there will be Places of position and authority for us as we with Christ rule over the world This will be a thousand year reign of Christ for a time there will finally be peace and there will finally be justice our nation today is crying out for justice but we will never have full justice as long as there are sinful men making the judgments, right? <laughs> we have sinful men and that includes all of us here making Judgments and we do the best we can we do want justice and we have a guide the Bible that Tells us how to make judgment justly, but we never follow it perfectly and so we will never have full justice on this earth until Jesus comes back and there will be justice And believe it or not, this shows you the depravity of man, this shows you the sinfulness of man. Even after that thousand-year reign of Christ, where there is prosperity and there is peace, there will be a group who rebel against Jesus at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. It says that in Revelation chapter chapter 19, that Satan is released for a period of time he is allowed to deceive these people and there will be a rebellion. It doesn't say very much about it because it will be put down very quickly. And then after that, we see a great white throne judgment where all unbelievers, unbelievers will be raised up and be judged at the great white throne judgment. They will be judged according to the books, right? That's what it says, books will be open. Where all of their deeds have been written? No one at this judgment will be saved (laughs) No one will be saved all will be found wanting because they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior Their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life is what it actually says And so they will be cast along uh, with Satan into the lake of fire and then the eternal state and we see this in the last chapters of Revelation We're given a vision of the new Jerusalem and the new earth descending down to heaven. And that's good news, folks, because God has always wanted to live with his people. And he finally will live with his people when the new new Jerusalem comes down. It's God moving in with us. Amen. That's, that's That's such good news that that will eventually happen. So We go through that timeline to make sure that we're on the right path and now we're ready to talk about the scripture we have for today (laughs) so we're going to go through this verse by verse and uh, I think it's going to be interesting to do this because one of the things I want to kind of clear up because there's a little bit of confusion uh, Sometimes about in chapter 5 are they talking about the rapture or are they talking about the second coming of Christ and uh, if you have a John MacArthur study Bible, I was surprised that he kind of agrees that chapter 5 is about the second coming of Christ. I believe it's about the second coming of Christ too, but I want to try to explain it in such a way that I think it makes more sense. I believe that the day of the Lord, look at verse number 1. It says, now concerning these times and, times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief of the night. Here's where some of the confusion comes from. The day of the Lord almost always signifies the second coming of Christ. So in here, he's saying that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Let me me explain how I think this fits in better. I do believe that the day of the Lord uh, is the second coming of Christ. But I also believe that the day of the Lord is a time of judgment. And so I believe that the day of the Lord starts for the unbelievers after the rapture of the church and includes that seven years of tribulation. Does that make sense? That's the beginning of the day of the Lord. It comes to a triumph, uh, to a climax when Jesus returns after that seven-year period. And I think if we go through this that makes much more sense than saying that Jesus coming like a thief in the night is the second coming. Because I don't think He comes like a thief in the night at the second coming. I think He comes. Uh, I think He comes where everyone can see Him. Right? Everyone will be able to see Him when He comes. Uh, we're told that when He leaves and ascends up into heaven. And two angels are there, and they say, "Why are you looking up like you know at him leaving?" And and they say, "He will he will come in in the same way." So we'll talk about that a little bit more, but just for now, uh, kind of accept, if you will, that the day of the Lord begins for the unbeliever after the rapture of the church. And it, he says, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need. to to have anything written to you the reason they don't have to have anything written they're they're obviously asking questions about when this is going to happen and he and he says I don't need to write to you about the times and seasons because it's going to be like a thief coming in the night it's going to be sudden it's going to be unexpected uh, people who are in the darkness are not going to be ready for it and so he comes as a thief in the night. It's the beginning of the tribulation. The Thessalonians would quite naturally have questions about these things, how they would happen. But Paul reminds them with the rapture of the church and the beginning of the day of the Lord, no prior notice is given. No prior warning is given. This is our warning, okay? This is our warning. And a verse later on, this is our warning to be ready. For those times uh, it will come as a thief in the night this is not a good thing for those who believe right Jesus coming as a thief in the night just like my thief coming in the night was not a good thing for me it will not be a good thing for those unbelievers those who are in the dark the rapture of the church will be a very good thing for the church because he is taking us out of the way of the wrath that is to come And we'll see that as we go through some of these verses as well. Everybody still with me? (laughs) Okay, let's go on to verse 3. It says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse number 3, I think, is very telling. It says, before Jesus comes as a thief in the night, there will be a sense of peace and security. Well, is that true about the second coming? No, it's not true about the second coming. At the second coming, there are all these nations gathering at Armageddon ready to go to war against the nation of Israel. And so this can only be speaking about the rapture, which is something that comes in secret. And as the rapture happens, think about the effect that will have on the world. I mean, how many Christians are there in the world? Many, many places will say there's at least a billion Christians in the world. That's probably high. We know that a lot of people who profess to know Christ don't truly know him, but it's going to be millions of people, right? Think of the effect of millions of Christians who are kind of the glue holding our culture together is no longer there. Destruction is going to come when he says in verse chapter number three that sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon the pregnant woman and they will not escape he's saying that when the church is taken out of this world this destruction this seven-year period of tribulation is going to begin it's going to begin milder and it's going to continually get greater just like The birth pains of a woman who is in labor, right? They start out mild. I won't say mild because I don't know that they're mild. They're probably pretty hard, right? They're probably pretty hard. But they, as the pregnancy—not pregnancy, but the birth—continues on, they get harder, more frequently, more harder. It's going to be the same way in the tribulation. Jesus testifies to this in Matthew 24 and 25 that. You know, when you look for him to come when things like this come more frequently and more often and greater intensity. So there will be increasing pain and judgment throughout the tribulation, and there will be no escape for people. There will be no escape. There will be no place to go to get away from this tribulation and trials and lack of peace. There will be no escape, no refuge, no place of protection. It's going to be particularly hard for those who become Christians there's indication by the way in second Thessalonians which we'll get to sometimes but second Thessalonians does deal with the second coming of Christ and there's indication there that those who have an opportunity to hear the gospel now after the rapture cannot be saved there, there will be a delusion come upon them they rejected Christ now, they're not going to give an opportunity in the tribulation period, but there will be people Many 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 people who the gospel have never been preached to who through two witnesses 144,000 witnesses Jewish witnesses will hear the gospel and will be saved But their life will be very very difficult and many of them will end up being martyred so the point is if you're going to become a Christian do it now right don't don't put that off do that now put, don't put it off thinking that well if I see a lot of people disappear I'll make my decision then that opportunity may not be there we'll talk about that more in 2nd Thessalonians let's go on to verses 4 and 5 it says but you are not in darkness brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light children of day We are not of the night or of the darkness darkness and lightness is a theme that goes throughout the Bible all the way back to Genesis right light are those who are those who believe in God who accept God not because of anything good within them but because that light has been shown upon them through the Holy Spirit those on the other side who are in darkness they are the ones who are ignorant of the gospel they are in rebellion against God They have an unwillingness to listen to the truth and they are unbelieving. Children of light, once again, are believers. They're walking in the light with Christ, just like it says in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's an awesome thing to walk in the light, isn't it? (laughs) It's kind of a, it's kind of a God does it, but we do it too, right? We're in the light because of the grace that He has shown upon us, the gift of of faith, like Casey mentioned, that He has given to us. That's why we walk in the light, and yet we are commanded to continue walking in the light. But there are those now, and there will be those in the tribulation period who walk in darkness. They are ignorant of salvation they rebel against God I read in Revelation at one point all these tribulations begin happening and rather than repent the people said let these they went to caves and they said let these rocks fall down upon us such was their rebellion against God that they would rather die that way than to than to accept Christ as your savior Verse number six says so then let us not sleep as others do but help us but let us keep awake and be sober Now this this is a beautiful Example of what it means to know a word in context right because in chapter 4 we said being asleep was talking about physical death Is that what it means here? <laughs> it doesn't mean that here does it just by the context, you know He's not. He doesn't mean, uh, let us not die as others do. But what he's trying to say is, wake up, you know, wake up and and make sure that you are in the faith. This sleep means to lie idle or to lie still or be at rest or to be inattentive. We are we as those who are in the light are not supposed to be inattentive. We are supposed to be watching for the Lord is coming back. We're supposed to be active, working in the kingdom of God. And so we are not to sleep as others do, which means be inactive, but let us keep awake and be sober. Be awake and be of a sound mind. The opposite of a sound mind is a party spirit, right? Sound mind or soberness uh, is the opposite of being drunk, and it means to have a sound mind one that is ready to go to work and ready to uh, go into action. And so, this particular type of sleep can be devastating. It's devastating. Many of our family members are at sleep. And they need to be woke up, right? We need to wake them up with the Word of God and tell them that they need to pay attention to the times, they need to pay attention. To the gospel of Jesus Christ that now is a day of salvation now is the day to turn to Christ but they are like someone looking at a cell phone who is so immersed in that cell phone that they cannot look you know can't give you the time of day that's a beautiful illustration of what this type of sleep means they will be surprised by this tribulation that has come upon them They will miss out on the rapture of the church because they are not Christians and they will be surprised by the tribulation that's come upon them. Sometimes I think we believe we're in the tribulation now, but we are not in the tribulation now. This is nothing compared to the tribulation. There will be a stark difference. Everyone will know something has dramatically changed when the church is raptured. Verse number seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Those who are of the darkness love the nighttime, don't they? I once, I I don't know if I heard this from my dad growing up. My dad probably wouldn't say something like this, but it's true. Especially for teenagers during their dating years, there's nothing good that happens after midnight. You ever heard that term? Now, there's nothing good for a teenager to be out after midnight There's nothing good that can happen after midnight and that, That's what these people who are of the darkness. They love this period of time, but we are of the daytime We are of the daytime For those who are asleep. I'll say this one more time. They will miss the rapture and not escape the tribulation so verse eight, he says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. In other words, let us have that sound mind, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's that's the armor of God, right, Jake? <laughs> Jake preached on the armor of God and Paul uh, at least tells us part of, of it here. Those who are awake, those who are attentive, they have put on the armor of God. They're engaged in the fight. They're not sleeping. They're not. Uh, Taken off guard, but they are fully prepared to do battle and they are doing battle And then possibly maybe one of my favorite verses And if you read it out of context, it's good But this is in a particular context verse 9 For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ That is an amazing verse in this context you've probably heard that before and you thought about Our overall generate our overall salvation of going to heaven But this is very specific look at what what this is what he's saying for God has not destined us for the tribulation But to obtain through the rapture Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ Does that make sense? That makes sense? This salvation is talking about our salvation from the tribulation because of the rapture. God has not destined us for wrath. That's the time during the tribulation. We don't go through the tribulation because our sins have been paid for by Jesus' death on the cross. Therefore, we may go through difficult times, we may be disciplined by the Lord, but we never, as God's children, experience his wrath. For God has destined us, not for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for him. Context is always important. He's changed context back to the verses in chapter four. He's now talking about the Christian, whether you are awake, which means living, or whether you have died and passed on, Uh, Whether you've died and passed on you will be with him through the rapture We as christians will never experience the wrath of god jesus paid for that on the cross for us We will escape tribulation period and so escape the wrath of god poured out on the world during that time So whether we are awake living or asleep dead, we will live with him Wonderful news for us today So so far and we're closing pretty soon The day of the Lord Including the rapture and the tribulation will come suddenly without warning. This is our warning (laughs) This is our warning The wonderful rapture of the church will be followed by unprecedented tribulation for those left behind Maybe you've seen that movie The Left Behind movie, that's where it gets the name. The rapture takes the church, then there are those who are left behind. All people should seek the light which leads to salvation and flee from the dark which leads to the wrath of God. And really most importantly is this last verse, verse 11. This is really why he wrote this chapter, and it may not seem that way, But it's why he wrote this chapter. He says, therefore, encourage one another another, up just as you are doing. We need encouragement from our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't we? We need encouragement. We need to call people up and say, I just want to encourage you today that I appreciate you, that I'm praying for you, and I want you to have a good day. That would mean a lot to someone. Or a card, or go and share Christ with someone that has been on your heart encourage them that now is the day of salvation that they should not put that off and Then this verse also said we should build one another up This is like encouragement But I think it means that we challenge one another not to be satisfied with (laughs) Being level in our Christian growth right we are to always be growing in our relationship with Christ so don't don't be satisfied with level, but build one another up. It literally means to edify or like build a building up. And he he says they are doing that, but as he says to many churches, what you have done, do so more and more. And so Jesus gives these verses. Uh, there, Paul gives us these verses through Jesus to give us great hope. And I wanted to close with some even probably more familiar verses that are true about what Jesus thinks about this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you that. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's coming back to take us with him and we will always be with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to discuss your word, and it's just fascinating the things that are in here, but more than fascinating, it should motivate us, it should move us. At first, it should move us today, hopefully, if there's a person here who doesn't know Christ, that they would give their life over to Christ, they would surrender that life, as we talked about in our Sunday school class, that you would be our focus, that we would take ourselves off of the throne and put you on the throne where you rightfully be, should be in our life. And we pray that if there's a person here today who doesn't know Christ, that they would understand that Jesus died for our sins in such a way that those who believe and trust in him will have eternal life. We know this is true because God raised him from the dead on the third day and he is alive forevermore interceding for us at the right hand of God. Then I pray for us who are Christians, maybe we have been Christians for many years, maybe some of the enthusiasm for the Christian life has gone out, maybe we have lost because of current situations our joy, and we pray that you would restore that today, that you would give us the joy of your salvation, that we would Come to know again the sacrifice that you made for us and that you are worthy of our whole lives, of our whole heart. And I know that will bring great joy to each and every person who thinks that way. And so we pray during this t- song of invitation that you would uh, do a mighty work. Help us to realize the awesome Savior that we have and worship worship him with all our Strength all of our might and all of our soul. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen